Welcome back, listeners, to season three of the Banco Hall podcast. Uh, for our new listeners, if this is your first time listening, make sure you follow at Banco Hall Pod on all social media platforms. Uh, leave us a five star rating and share with someone who likes podcasts. I'm blessed today to be joined with the one, the only, the legend that is Joy. Uh, Joy, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? good you know i'm excited to get the podcast back going i went on like a little month hiatus because i had to graduate and whatnot and wasn't trying to worry about podcast stuff Uh, but it's good you know little little degree or whatnot little little light work little masters you know masters nothing nothing special right nothing special um but yes very happy to be back on this podcast i'm happy that we got the time zone thing figured out because listeners y'all know that time zones are weird uh joy is joining us from the lovely state of arizona which is right next to california but we had to verify whether we were on the same time or not and i think we verified that like two or three times already just to make sure that one of us wasn't an hour early or hour late it's so confusing for me too because i'm i every time i have to like plan something with somebody and they're in california and i'm like okay so (laughs) we don't do daylight savings y'all do sometimes we're on the same time sometimes we're not so what time is it right now (laughs) i think i asked you like maybe two or three times like okay what time is it (laughs) like because I, I, that's like my biggest fear is like being late for something or just being completely, you know. So I was like, let me make sure this time. <laughs> yeah, we, but we got it. We here. We're at nine o'clock a.m. on both of our times. Uh, daylight savings is weird though, because I think if I'm not mistaken, California or somebody passed some bill that we about to stop doing it too. I don't know yeah, what time it is right now. That was y'all. I thought you stopped this year. So I, it's confusing. I'm pretty sure that. Next time daylight savings would come around, I think we're just not going to do it. It's, it's just, just so like, we're just not not feeling it anymore. Just done. But I mean, like daylight savings started with like farmers and the different seasons and whatnot, so it makes sense that we're not going to do it. It's just weird. Like it's I don't know. Confusing. I appreciate that we don't do it here because it keeps everything like super easy to understand, you know. But it just makes it hard to communicate with people who aren't here because I'm like. You know, it's already hard enough trying to deal with East Coast time, which I think they're like two hours ahead of us right now, three hours ahead of California, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, yeah, so it, it just gets confusing, you know. And I think we're like the only state that doesn't do it. Yeah, it's just y'all might as well just have Arizona time at this point. Just Arizona. I mean, I think we do. I think it's there's mountain time and then I think there's like Arizona mountain time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Desert time, it should be called. <laughs> Satan's time is what it really is. <laughs> Not Satan's time. Um, that's your Catholic school is showing joy. Uh, <laughs> but I want to go ahead and get started with the question that I start all these podcast interviews with. And that's to give a taste of where you're from. I think it's always important to talk about people's hometowns and their upbringings, just to get an idea of the area that shaped you. So for our listeners, Joy, uh, where are you from and what did you gain from your hometown? Oof. I am from South Central Los Angeles. Uh, I was born and raised on Crenshaw and West, I mean, sorry, off Crenshaw and Slauson, uh, specifically 60th and West. Um, I went to St. Mary's, so I grew up in Inglewood, South Central, went to, you know, uh, community college in Santa Monica. So I've been around LA, you know, pretty much my whole life. Uh, what did I take away from LA? Um, creativity you know 
that grind culture, which can be bad for you most of the time. But it, what I appreciate about it is that, you know, when you're from LA, there's so many opportunities that, you know, and everybody is hungry. Everybody's equally hungry. So you're like, all right, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I gotta learn this new skill. I gotta do, you know what I mean? So moving here to Arizona, what I've noticed, what I think that puts me at an advantage, at least professionally, is that I'm constantly moving and shaking, you mm. know, in a way that I don't really see all the time here. Not that everybody needs to be doing that, you know. I have to remind myself to sit down sometimes and relax. <laughs> but it, I appreciate the fact that there's always a, a constant tide in LA, you know, uh, pun intended, because we're on the beach, right? But <laughs> you know, there's always an ebb and flow. Everybody's always like, I got to do this. I got to move. I got to, you know. There's always moves to be made, you know. And I think that's the biggest thing I took away from LA. Always moves to be made. I think that's such a perfect way to put it. And I saw a tweet recently because the listeners know I'm I'm in San Diego now. Uh, but somebody was talking about how San Diego has kind of an opposite of a grind culture because you got the mm -hmm. beaches, you got the palm trees. It's all nice. Everybody just walking and they dog sipping a little latte. And it's just, just like, enjoying yeah, it. it's just like, hey, relax, y'all. You ain't got nowhere to be. But yeah. then I feel like all my people from LA or other places where the grind is so real. So I was like, all right, what are we getting into? What we got to do? What we got to do? So it's like, you want to just go to the beach and catch a surf or something? It's like, nah, like what's, what's the mission today? Yeah. I, you know what? I was just talking to my husband about that recently too, is that, you know, on the flip side of, you know, being, being appreciative of how much we're, we're hustling and grinding. There's the opposite side where we're like, you know, everybody in LA is always trying to be the next something you know, and it's really hard socially because <laughs> when you're trying to link with somebody and you're just trying to hang out and, and catch up and it's, you can't do that because everything is a thing, right? It's like, I'm trying to be a model. I'm trying to be a photographer. I'm trying to be a this and this and that. Every social interaction becomes a business deal, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to hear about your day. I don't want to hear your business pitch. I don't want, you know, <laughs> I don't want to make content. I just want to <laughs> chill, you know? So, yeah, I agree that sometimes and I, I appreciate San Diego for that, too, because I have family that lives out there. And every time I'm there, it feels like time doesn't even exist. You know what right. I mean? You're just chilling. And I really, <laughs> really appreciate that because you know, it's it's exhausting sometimes. It is exhausting. And I feel like sometimes I almost damn near have to go the business route in order to hang with somebody. It's like, hey, you want to do a photo shoot and we could catch up. Right. You got to have an incentive, right? Because everybody, you know, when you're from LA, everybody's like, well, what's in it for me? You know, what do I benefit from this? So you always got to offer promo, offer, you know, something. And it's always a, you know, it's always transactional, which is okay. Right. Again, that's how we get shit done in LA. Um, but it kind of stifles people's social interactions, at least organically, I think. Absolutely. Uh, I want to keep going with the L.A. conversation because I know that you are a part of our generation that was raised by the Internet. Uh, you be up on social media and whatnot. And I feel like people always got something to say about the city of Los Angeles, uh, usually from folks who ain't from nowhere near L.A. or they from San Fernando Valley. And it's like, I know L.A. Um, Empire, San Bernardino. Like You're not from you're I don't even consider that Southern California at that point. <laughs> Okay, not you taking, you taking away their cardinal directions, y'all. Y'all, that's that everything above like Bakersfield is Northern California to me. 
Hey, LA is the center of the world if we if we keep it a buck. Um, yeah. But the question that I have for you is, what do you feel that people always get wrong about LA? Like when you're talking to people about Los Angeles or talking about where you're from, what do you feel like they get wrong pretty often? Um, Not to contradict myself a little bit about the the social interaction things, but what I do notice is that people who aren't from LA who move to LA um, kind of take it a, a like several steps up above that, you know, because everybody moves to LA because it's the land of opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, people and and not no shade to DC or Maryland, but I noticed this mostly, I'm sorry, I noticed this mostly with people from that area. <laughs> and they move to LA and they're trying to, you know, start their podcast, start their show, do this, do this, do that. And they are the ones a lot of the time that'd be like, oh, well, everybody in LA is stuck up. Everybody in LA is is hun- too hungry to to chill, to vibe, you know? And I'm like, no, we're just tired of being asked about your show <laughs> or your, you know, your modeling gig or your new music video, or, you know, like, I just want to get some ice cream and, and go to the beach, you know? <laughs> I don't want to be a model in your show. And let, you know, and, and it's not to say, you know, when I got homies that have things going on, you know, like this podcast or like, mm-hmm. I appreciate the opportunities to to connect and do those things. But I, I like that. I like when it happens organically. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm, I'm going to use you as an example because yeah. I've done your podcast before. But, you know, whenever we link, it's always very organic, right? It's always very, what am I trying to say? Wholesome, for, for lack of a better word, right? <laughs> It doesn't feel like you're trying to gain something from me other than, you know, some vibes and some conversation. Yeah. And and vice versa, right? I don't, I don't, I hope I don't make you feel like I'm trying to, you know, and and I feel like a lot of the time that's something that people misjudge, uh, you know, LA natives for is that they think we're all trying to use each other for Mm -hmm. financial and social gain. And Sometimes we can, sometimes we do, but a lot of the time, because again, we live in the land of opportunity, that stuff happens organically for us. And it, you know, so when we get people that come from other places, then it becomes this whole thing of like, you know, um, I just completely lost my train of thought, but it becomes this whole thing of like, how many different ways can I capitalize off this one hangout session? Mm -hmm. And that's real exhausting. And that makes it real difficult to connect with people. And that's why people say it's hard to make friends in LA because you come out there with motives and goals and then you're mad when nobody wants to reciprocate that, you know? So yeah, I, I think that's what it is. No, absolutely. I think it really comes back to relationship building because it's a lot different if it's like, hey, I've known you for the last 10 plus years. I mean, known you even longer than that, but I'm not coming to you like, hey, I see that you're popular on Twitter. I'm trying to get some listens on my podcast. It's like, not nah, like this is a homie. I want the homie to be on the podcast. Right. Because and I feel be, like, oh, real, go ahead. Not to cut you off, but let's be, you know, even if you were <laughs> coming to me like, yo, you're popular on Twitter. Can you help me get some some views and some listens? I would 100% be like, yeah, let's do that shit because homies in LA build each other up. You know exactly. what I mean? Do that. But it's still even if it is transactional in that way, it's still doing something for your friend. You know, like I consider, mm-hmm. I've known you, for y'all that don't know, I have known Kyler since I was 15, 16, you know, like 10th grade, I think. Um, our parents are friends, you know, so it's different. It's just different, you know what I mean? Um, so it just doesn't feel like I'm being used or like you're being used or like, you know, we're trying to one up on each other. And that's the other thing 
that I think people misjudge about people from mm. that they think we're always trying to one up, you know, we, they think we're always trying to get over on somebody. And I really don't like that misconception because I don't ever feel like I'm doing that to somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I appreciate when I can connect with somebody and it doesn't feel like there's a competition going on, you know, and the competition aspect of Los Angeles exists and it's there and I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't. But it exists everywhere. And that's just, I think that's just part of our generation because we're, as a generation, we're so hungry for our next move, you know, yeah. that we kind of see people as, as opportunities instead of people, you know? And I think when people consider moving to LA, first of all, nobody moved to LA anymore. There's too many fucking people. <laughs> we're closed. We're closed. <laughs> like, don't know. But when they do move, you know, they come there automatically looking at everybody like a meal ticket or like a dollar, you know, and it's like, come on, man, I just want to go to Roscoe's and get some fucking chicken, you know? <laughs> I don't want to talk business and do all that, you know? So I think that's, I think that's another important thing that, you know, people get wrong about people from LA is that we're always in competition with each other and we're really not you know at least not all the time yeah and I think that's how you really start to suss out like who's really from the city of Los Angeles versus who moved to Hollywood trying to get their start in film or who moved to Santa Monica and is trying to get their art thing going it's like now like we're in uh, and I always tell people when they visit LA it's like oh LA wasn't really all that like I really seen it it's like yeah like when I go home to LA and I'm talking about the LA I love, Santa it's Monica. my community. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I had a friend who um, was considering going to school in LA for grad school and, you know, she does photography. And I remember having to tell her, and this was this was months in advance, right? So she mm -hmm. would have been moving there in the fall of this year. She chose to go somewhere else, obviously. But months ago, I remember having a conversation with her where she was like, well, I'm going to get on Instagram and start connecting with all the photographers in LA right now and I'm like dude no like <laughs> just, you haven't even been there like no that's not how it works you know what I mean don't be so ready to just connect with people and make all these types of you know and I understand the networking aspect especially for artists but it, it doesn't work like that it's not gonna you know it's very easy to tell when somebody comes to LA and they're like using you for a networking opportunity right and not to imply that that's what she was going to do yeah. but she was just very she's a natural networker so it was very clear that she was just ready to get the ball rolling you know and i was like that's not gonna work honey that's not it's not gonna work like that you know what i mean um so you know i think people forget that networking happens naturally mm -hmm. and also the most successful you know so when you're out there like i need to add every single person i meet in la on instagram and see where it goes you know then yeah, you're not gonna have a good time because you're out there for a specific reason, you know? Right. You haven't even got, and then, you know, they spend all the time in one corner of LA, West LA, let's yep. just say, you know? <laughs> um, Culver City, Santa Monica, Palisade, you know, they spend all their time over there or Hollywood and then they're like, oh, I didn't have a good time. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't have a good time over there either. Exactly. <laughs> That's where I was every single day. <laughs> You know, come to South Central, come to Inglewood, come to, you know, Long Beach even. Yeah. There's so much to do out there. There's so many people to see. So, you know, I just wish people gave LA more of a chance, but I understand that it's expensive as fuck. So it's kind of hard to do that, especially in a really small trip, you know, yeah. there for a week or so. So I don't know. I feel like people be sleep on LA a little bit. Absolutely. Before we transition out of LA, though, 
Uh, what advice would you have for someone who does want to like start building a network in LA? Maybe they're an aspiring artist or they're considering a move to LA. What would you, not that you have like the answer, of course, but what would be your piece of advice to them? Um, be open to criticism. Mm. Uh, if it's one thing I have learned from artists in LA as an artist from LA is that people are going to criticize the shit out of your work. Um, and they mean well, usually, you know, but learn how to tell when a criticism is helpful and when it's not. And take, you know, my mom always used to say, excuse me, my mom always used to say, take criticism like you're eating chicken, take the meat and leave the bones, you know, mm. take what's relevant, take what's useful and leave the rest. And that's a black ass saying, I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> But it's true, you know, it's true in a lot of different contexts. It's like, you know, when people move to LA, they really have this idea of like, oh, I gotta, I gotta be ready. You know, I'm the one, I am the chosen one. And it's like, yeah, so we're all other 3 million people living out there. <laughs> you know, we're all the chosen ones, you know? So learn how to not be the chosen one. Learn how to be on level one sometimes sometimes mm. level zero you know you're not always going to be popping and la is going to show you real quick that there are people more popping than you in every corner in every field you know what i mean so learn how to be wrong learn how to take some criticism learn how to lose learn how to take an l every now and then you know um but aside from that just learn how to learn how to build relationships with people in ways that benefit you more than just socially or financially or professionally i'll say you know learn how to make some friends make some friends you know go to some grandma's houses eat some food you know i feel like the real la happens at the grandma's houses like if you ain't visiting nobody grandma house like you're not in the city yeah if you ain't had nobody's food you ain't been in nobody's backyard for a barbecue you know then you didn't really experience it at least not in a way that matters right man ain't nothing like a backyard la barbecue I remember when uh, you and Aaron came to my going away party when I went to college. Yeah. Back I when we were infants. I think I still have a picture of us from mm -hmm. that that party. Yep. But exactly, you know, stuff like that. But we alluded to it a couple of times. Uh, why don't you, at least from your perspective, give the folks a story or your recollection of how we met or how we crossed paths? Uh, okay, so... Kyler and I both went to Catholic school, right? Not the gang, same. Gang. Uh, not the same school because I went to an all-girl school. I went to St. Mary's. You went to Bishop? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but for those who don't know, Catholic schools in LA, they're all kind of the same school, right? Like we're all kind of one huge conglomerate of <laughs> black ass <laughs> kids in Catholic school, right? <laughs> With our uniforms on. With our uniforms and, you know, and there's a lot of misconceptions, I think, that go into the Catholic school sector of LA, you know, because we were private schools. So people assume that we all have money and they assume that we were of a certain financial class. And like some of us were, you know, but a lot of us were not. So, but anyway, I'm getting beside the point. Um, so we met, I think, on Twitter. Was it on Twitter? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? And I think I don't even remember when we first met, but I remember Bishop having a bomb threat or like, okay, no, somebody made a bomb threat on Twitter and they started naming all the Catholic schools that they were going to hit. And it was like Bishop, Sarah, St. Mary's, 
I don't even remember what other schools. And I was, I remember seeing your tweets, like your responses to it. And I was like, oh, let me just follow that guy. You know what I mean? So it was something like that, like in that, you know, and then I found out that our parents had already known each other. Mm -hmm. I was like, and, and what was funny about it was that you're named after your father. Yep. I mean, first and last. And when I saw your name, because you always got your name, you know what I mean? Kyler Nathan the fourth on your Twitter. And when I saw your name, I was like, there's not that many niggas in LA named Kyler Nathan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I know that my mom knows somebody named Kyler Nathan. So I remember asking her about your dad. And then she was like, yeah, he has a son around your age in whatever neighborhood that y'all were in. I think like Gardena or Carson or something like that. And um, being, she was just like, yeah, that's uh, that's his son. And I was like, oh, okay. So I do kind of know who this is, you know what I mean? So it kind of started like that. And uh, we had mutual friends, you know, Aaron, um, Isaiah, you know, and it kind of just built from there. Like I said, the Catholic school sector was so small. Mm -hmm. If you knew one of us, you knew all of us pretty much. Um, and I think that's kind of just where it started. And then uh, I remember the first day we met in person, if you remember that, was when you came up to St. Mary's. Because mm -hmm. me and Isaiah used to hoop at that, uh, I don't know if it was a YMCA or what, but that gym that was like down the street from St. Mary's. I think it was a YMCA, yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. That's, it's closed, I think. I don't even yeah, I'm sure it's closed. It should have been closed back then. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, you had come up to my school and it was like a big deal, right? Because I went to an all-girls school. Boys were not allowed on that <laughs> campus, no matter what. So I remember we had to like set up this whole little, like I'm going to come outside the gate and y'all gonna drive by and we're just gonna have our conversation and i'm i remember looking over my shoulder to see like if the security <laughs> guard, you know, and the security guard saw me she knew what i was you know she knew because she knew right um and sometimes she would leave purposely leave the gate open so that we could let people in mm. uh shout out to whatever her name was but she was a dope security guard she was very nice to us but so she had left the gate open and i think we had either come inside the campus or we stayed outside or something like that but she made it real easy and I, I remember texting my friend Don at the time and being like, being like, because I think she had been following you on Twitter too. Mm -hmm. for, and I think texting her was like, yo, I'm going to meet Kyler. You know, you should come see. And I don't remember if she came that day or what, but I remember talking about it later. Like, oh yeah, he's dope. He's really nice, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, hopefully we can do this again. And I don't know if we ever even did it again. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> But it just kind of became one of those things where I was like, okay, well, if I want to hang out with him, I know that our parents at least have connections. So, like, he's always going to be around, you know, yeah. and that was kind of how it was. Look at your memory checking out. That's exactly that's, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Back in the day when people was meeting Twitter, people off of Twitter organically. <laughs> yeah, right. Back when we were not supposed to be meeting people off the internet. Not at all. But we were just like, hey, they said some words I'm familiar with. Let me follow in a, trying to link up at South Bay Galleria or something. <laughs> South <laughs> Delano Mall. Delano Mall was my spot to meet people at. Oh yeah, absolutely. And when's the last time you've been to Delamo? It looks so different. Oof, when's the last time I went to Delamo? You know what? Um, when I was pregnant with my first son in uh and this was when we had moved back to LA from because I had moved up to Monterey for a little bit. So this I wanna say twenty nineteen. And I had gone there to get some Pink's hot dogs because that was like really, that was like my cra pregnancy craving was the chili burritos, <laughs> Pink's hot dog um, from Del Amo Mall. So I think that was probably the last time, like 2019. It and looks it super different. Yeah, it just keeps growing and looking bougier and 
Yeah, it, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, I think one day somebody needs to do a study, a social science study on black kids who went to private schools in LA. I feel like there's just a lot. There's a lot there. There's a whole lot going. You know, you know what's funny about that? I was just talking to my husband because my husband went to Hamilton, right? So he mm-hmm. went to Hamilton. He was with those kids. So completely different world, right? Not we those lived kids. right around. <laughs> we lived right around the corner from each other, but didn't even know, you know. And I remember saying, telling him a story about something that happened to Sarah, and he was like, uh, "I don't. I think we were talking about sports or something." And I was like, yeah, Sarah was one of the Catholic schools. And he was like, no, it wasn't. And I'm like, yes, the fucking what? You know what I mean? And and if I remember right, I think it was the Catholic school, like the first one in LA. And I one think that's them, yeah. why it was named after. Because you know how all the schools, for those who don't know, all the Catholic schools in LA have a statue of Junipero Sarah, <laughs> the founder <laughs> of <laughs> the founder of like the archdiocese or whatever, right? And but I remember telling him, like, yeah, you know what? I think they were, like, the first one, and that's why they were named after him. But, um, you know, and then that spawned into this whole conversation about the types of kids that went there and, like, the types of interactions we had and how it was, like, this whole little ecosystem that existed inside, you know what I mean, within L.A. and how connected we were, even though we were, like, all the way on the other side of town, you know what I mean? We always knew what was going on at Bishop. We always knew what was going on at Verb. We always knew what was going on at, you know, Maria Regina, like even the middle schools, you know. That's was, your thing, Eugene, all that. Oh my God, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's. I agree that I think somebody should do a study on just like that little ecosystem, you know. Um, there's a whole lot you could find probably. A whole lot. Because I'm just thinking like you could do just observational studies at a Sarah football game on a Friday night because it's like, you have our generation of students who just like walking around talking, like getting to know networking, really. We didn't know we was networking, we was networking. Ooh, then you got yeah. our parents' generation who's in the stands, like actually watching the game, having a good time, people falling mm-hmm. on the stands and whatnot. Uh good times, man. There's nothing like a Friday night Sarah football game. Half the people there didn't have no connection to Sarah. Fights, just yeah. The fight, the Sarah fights, it says we're talking about Sarah. Shout out to Sarah. I'm sorry if we're disrespecting y'all, but I keep using Sarah as the example because they were like the most well-known out of all of us and like the biggest, I think. But I remember every time we would get a new student at St. Mary's, they had gotten kicked out of Sarah. And that was the thing. Like Sarah was real quick to kick somebody out and send their ass somewhere else, right? Erin, I think I kicked out of Sarah. <laughs> um Everybody I knew that transferred to my school got kicked out of Sarah for one reason or another. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I think you could do a a study on that even just how Mm. many kids got kicked out of one Catholic school and put in another one and what happened. You know what I mean? The Catholic school LA pipeline. Uh, My dad listened to this, going to listen to this podcast and he went to Sarah so he can defend Sarah as much as he wants. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. He hanging up in the Sarah library with his Jerry curl. If you, Listeners want to go to the Sarah Library and look up the class photos. I might need to find that now. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Little known fact, my dad used to rock a Jerry girl. Um, but yeah, we gave the folks a snippet about L.A., about Catholic school. Uh, but I want to transition a bit to talk a little bit more about you and kind of setting that up with just the thought process behind even asking you to come on this podcast. Uh, usually... I feel like a lot of the folks that I've had on this podcast, they're doing like one specific thing and they're like, oh, like 
this person's really into photography or this person's in medical school. And I was like, what would I ask Joy to talk about? Because I, you change passions, like you change hairstyles and hair colors. Like, I was like, there's a lot. And then you gave me a quick list. It's like, oh, we talk about this, 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 and this. And like, Joy, it's going to be a seven hour podcast. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? We can do it. We could, we could do that. <laughs> He's like, I don't see a problem with that. I guess I'll do that um, sharp meme. Like, that ain't no problem. That ain't no problem. Ain't no problem. But so I came up with, we're changing it from a jack of all trades to a joy of all trades. And I think that what I wanted to do was give the folks a snippet of different facets of your life and uh, different things that you've been passionate about. And then I'll bribe you to come on the podcast again in the future. And we can talk about it more in depth. Um, but just thinking about your trajectory since I've known you since those, uh, St. Mary Bishop days, like, I feel like you've done so much, but I always knew you as an artist first and foremost. And I think that even when you think about all the things you do, like even the science stuff, the mom stuff, that's all art at the end of the day. Yeah. The undercurrent is still art, I think. Yes. All art. So, uh, why don't we talk a little bit just about like how you got your start as an artist in general, and you can take that however you like with regards to when that is in your life, but just when did you get your start as an artist? Mm, like eighth grade, I want to say. Um, I remember, I, I don't know why I used to think this way as a child, but I remember thinking as a kid, like, okay, I got to make decisions today about the rest of my life, you know what I mean? <laughs> And I remember being like 13 and being like, okay, so I need to start drawing. I need to learn how to draw. Like I need to get good at drawing today, you know, <laughs> and just sitting down in my room and being like, today is the day that I'm going to be an artist. And that's just what I've decided. Don't care how hard it's like, I don't care. And I drew an ugly ass picture of Santa Claus and I never will never forget it. But I, I remember being so embarrassed about it at the end of like once I finished it and being like this is the worst drawing I've ever seen in my life like the worst thing and it wasn't even about but I remember being taking that shame and that embarrassment and that disappointment that I wasn't good at it immediately and being like this is what I'm gonna use to fuel the rest of my life (laughs) no matter what you know what I mean 13 year old joy I hate being wrong. I hate failure. I hate not being number one. You can call it narcissism. You can call it competitiveness. <laughs> you can call it, like we said, people from LA are always in competition. You can call it whatever you want, but that's what it was when I was 13. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta train harder, Gohan. I got a tattoo on my forearm that says train harder, Gohan. And it's like, it's like my mantra, like get better, get good, do it, you know, get in the gym. And so I was 13. And I was like, you know what? This is not gonna cut it. I gotta, I gotta be the very best, like no one ever was. So I started drawing and I got some sketchbooks and I went to some art camps over the summer in San Diego. Shout out to San Diego because San Diego really set the tone for almost everything that I've done even now today in my life. Because my aunt, my mom's older sister, she was very much, you know, um, the moving force, I'll say, you know, every time she heard I had a new interest, she was like, she would call up my mom and be like, yeah, so there's a camp in San Diego where I can send her for two, three weeks so she can perfect that interest. You know what I mean? So art camps, animals, you know, whatever it was, it was my shout out to Auntie Mary in San Diego. She still lives there. She was the one, you know, that was, that was putting that in in motion for me. Um, But so that's, I think that's how it started. Uh, So that went from 
doing art camps you know i did a san diego zoo art camp mm. where which sounds wild but that's exactly what it was like you were there to draw but you were there to draw the animals and you were there to interact with the animals through making art and it was really avant-garde and really weird but uh i remember being like <laughs> I remember my little neurodivergent brain at the time being like, yo, this is so, like, there are so many things that I can do with it. You know what I mean? And it just like, like a spark went off. And I was like, yo, I love animals. I love making art. I love being good at things. I love being the best one at these things, you know? Um, so then I went to high school and I was like, just started telling everybody that I was an artist. And I remember deciding, like, I'm just going to tell people that I'm an artist and the fact that they believe it means that I will believe it and mm. then I got really good at art like real fast like within a year I was like cranking out portraits and cranking out tattoo designs and cranking out you know what I mean and I think when I was like 14 15 my mom had a um <clears throat> excuse me a tattoo shop briefly and I remember being in there just like watching the art the tattoo artist like doing what he was doing and like copying it on my sketchbook you know so I got really good at like copying um, and I think that's like how everybody gets good at something, right? Is by, you know, in art, they call it master copy, where you take like a classical work or you take like a really well-known painting or something and you just try to copy it as well as you can, you know? Um, and then high school, I took some art classes, uh, one drawing class, one painting class. I think that was it. <laughs> that's all they offered. But I took both of them and I was, I don't want to say I was the best one, but I was the best one. And that fueled me. Uh, you know, and I was like, I'm going to go to art school. You know, I was all set on going to Otis. Shout out to Otis. Uh, I did not go, but I did get in. Um, I just couldn't pay for it. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to go to art school. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this and this and that. And I think I turned like 19. It was like, all right, this is harder than I thought. <laughs> you know, this is a lot harder than I thought. And, you know, I had, by that point, I was in community college and I was kind of, reality was kind of setting in like, okay, you actually need to do other things to get you somewhere that you want to, you know what I mean? So that went from, I want to be an artist to, I want to be a veterinarian. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, which one is harder? Which one is more work that being a veterinarian kind of, you know? Yeah. So... <laughs> So I kind of put that on the back burner and I was like, if all else fails, I will come back to this and I will go to vet school and keep that in mind because we're going to come back full circle later. But um, so I spent the whole rest of my college career, like trying to get into art school, like tr grinding, you know what I mean? Uh, painting, drawing. I ended up getting my associates in studio art. And then I got my BA in visual and public art at uh, CSUMB. Mm -hmm. And I was like, even then, I think in doing all of that, I was still working with animals and stuff, right? So I was working at PetSmart and I was a manager at a doggy daycare and I was like doing all this stuff, getting all this stuff. And it was kind of just like my side hustle, right? Like getting all this animal experience. Um, and then I graduated from uh, with my art degree and I was like, okay, well, shit, I don't even really want to do this anymore. <laughs> like, I don't like it. I don't want to do it no more. You know, it was like, I don't know, I think I reached artistic burnout at that point. It was just like, I don't like drawing for money. I don't like doing it, you know. Um, and even now, I still draw, but like rarely, mm -hmm. you know, only when I really am feeling it, when I really feel inspired. That's like maybe once or twice a year, you know. Um, painting, you know, I got really into painting for a little bit and then dropped that. And what I noticed about myself 
is that I, you know, and I try not to be too hard on myself about it, but I realize that other people see it differently is mm -hmm. that I start stuff and then I drop it really fast. And then I start something else and then I drop it really fast and then I pick up something else and then, you know, so, and, and to me, that looks like inconsistency and it looks mm -hmm. like failure and it feels like failure. But when I look back at it, like in the long run, I'm like, no, I was just picking up skills. It was like a, you know, like a, um, what's those, you know, those dung beetles that like push the ball of dung and as they push it, the ball gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You Only know, you it, would use that as the analogy. <laughs> <laughs> right I like, I like animals i like art i like poop right poop we'll come back to that later but um your listeners are like what the fuck is she talking about <laughs> yeah you know so i just was kind of building all these eclectic skills over time and it kind of just became this like part of my personality it was like i have to build as many skills i have to get have to collect as many badges you know um i always use pokemon as like my reference i'll say this like reference number three to pokemon I, I fuck with it. i'm i literally got a pokemon shirt on right now it's like See, you get it you know and i just did a pokemon themed podcast about a week ago so i'm still like in pokemon brain right now but you know it it it's it was really, that was the vibe, you know, it was like, I got to be the very best. Like I have to get all the badges. I got to catch them all. Right. Um, so I finished my BA and then I moved back to LA and I did a couple art shows, a couple galleries, stuff like that. And I was still at that point. And then by then I had had my first son, he's four mm -hmm. now. And I was kind of like, okay, what's next. Right. Um, I started working as an art teacher at Kip Academy. Shout out to Kip Academy of Opportunity on Big and Western. That's where I was at. Dope school, black principal, black mm -hmm. teen. It was the blackest school I've ever been in. It was amazing, right? Um, but you know, I was working with these kids and they were making all this art and it was really inspiring. It was really dope. And I was still like, I'm not satisfied. Like I'm not, it's not hitting the way I want it to hit, you know? So I quit and I stopped working there and I stopped teaching and I kind of did like some freelance stuff on the side. And then I was just like, I don't know what to do, you know? And I feel like I have that, that crisis like every six months where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? You know? And I started a business, you know? So for those of y'all that, that follow me on Twitter, you might've seen Spears and Co Essentials, mm -hmm. you know, where I was making resin art, which was really cool, you know? And that was cool for a little bit, but resin is really bad for the environment, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? It's so bad for the environment and it just doesn't break down, you know? It's like plastic essentially. So yeah. it's, just, it's just there forever. So I kind of dropped off of that for a little bit and uh, let that go. And at that time, that's when it hit me really hard because then by then I had two kids mm -hmm. like, okay, where's the money? You know what I mean? <laughs> where's the money? Where's, why have I not made it yet? I'm like 26. Where's my money? You know? And then I started getting this nagging feeling in the back of my head. Like, remember when you said when you were 14 mm -hmm. that you would go to vet school if, if the shit didn't work out. So I decided to go to vet school, right? Or decided to take the steps to get into vet school. Um, so I went back to school, uh, started doing some post-bac work, taking a bunch of science classes, microbiology, all the biologies, right? 
ecology, conservation biology, microbiology, environmental biology, environmental psychology, zoology, like anything that was offered, I was taking it, right? And at this point, I was doing it specifically because I could do it for free. Mm -hmm. So I was just like taking class. And at one point, it was crazy. At one point, I was going, I was enrolled in full time at like three different community colleges, just taking classes online. Just You really are Ash Ketchum out here. Just crazy, <laughs> no extra degrees, right? Just taking classes, just taking classes, right? And at the same time, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back to working with uh, working with animals, right? So I had all this animal experience, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go see if I can get a vet tech job. And I started working as a veterinary assistant in a couple of different hospitals, and that was really cool. That was really fun. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, what I have noticed about this is that nobody likes to do the parasitology nobody likes to do the lab work in mm. the vet you know um especially when you work in like a really fast-paced uh vet clinic i used to work for banfield which is like the the um corporate one that you see in PetSmart. you know mm. so it was like really fast-paced a lot of shit going on and what i noticed is that nobody ever wanted to do the lab work nobody wanted to run the blood nobody wanted to look at the poop right and i was like well shit i'll do it you know the, the shit was like, yeah yeah <laughs> was, was always available so i was like okay well let's see what this how this takes me right so i started learning um you know i started learning lab stuff and that was like brand new territory for me right and then i went down this whole rabbit hole of parasitology and that spun into a new job where i started working as a lab tech at a place called antec which is like our reference lab you know, uh, where people send out their samples and it was just parasitology. So for eight hours a day or eight hours a night, because I was working overnight, mm -hmm. um, I was looking at poop, you know, I was processing fecal samples, just, you know, with a microscope, looking to see what parasites I could find, you know, five days a week. And I learned so much so fast that I was like, I am going to be a parasitologist. Like, that's what it is, right? I, I have decided and at this point, I was like, fuck vet school. Like, I can just do this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've already, I made it. I'm here, you know. So I worked at that place for a little bit. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm bored. <laughs> you know, I'm bored. It's time to do something else. And then I got on Twitter, as I do, and started talking shit, talking about animals, doing what I do. And I had a, a viral thread about elephant behavior. Mm, I, don't know I think I remember that. that. I don't know if y'all remember when there were a bunch of tweets about an elephant that like a woman had abused her or something and then she died and then the elephant showed up at her funeral and like mm -hmm. stomped off her grave, you know? And black people were all over that, right? Because <laughs> black people love when animals do shit like that and we get yeah. to like anthropomorphize, you know, with, however you say that word, anthropomorphize it. Yes, something you like know? that. This something ain't like school, that. this is a podcast. <laughs> Um, so they were all over that. And I had jumped on that and was like, oh, well, let me tell y'all about what I know about, you know, elephant behavior since I had taken all these classes and that went crazy, right? This viral thread. And, um, at the end of it, I was like, well, hey, yo, somebody give me a job, like straight up, somebody hire me. You know what I mean? And then somebody reached out to me from oh, ASU. Wow. Somebody reached out to me from ASU and it was a professor that had just started this new parasitology lab looking at monkey samples and gel wild gelata samples. And I 
came on board, started working with her, you know, and I stayed there for about nine months. My contract just ended actually a few weeks ago with them. And, um, you know, that was dope. It was so much fun. Right. And I was doing this lab stuff and I was doing all this like data analysis, data management stuff, like brand new territory for me, but it was like building on all these skills that I had already learned. Right. And in doing that, I was also doing more art stuff. So I was making educational graphics for them and I was making, you know, I had redone the lab's website and like just kind of doing all the stuff. So it was like me tying in all the art stuff and all the animal stuff and like lab stuff. And it was really dope. And then um, my contract with them ended. And before it ended, I, you know, and it was this whole thing because I was like, okay, well, instead of going to vet school, I'm going to get a PhD, mm -hmm. right? That was my plan. So I was like, I'm going to get a PhD, applied for it, told everybody on Twitter and then didn't get it. And it was like a big deal for me. I was like crushed, right? Didn't even didn't even tell anybody on Twitter. For those of y'all that follow me on Twitter, that's why I stopped talking about it because I didn't fucking get it. Um, <laughs> but you know, I was like, okay, well, what do I do now? Like, what am I supposed to do now? And I went back to the vet hospital, so that's where I'm at now. Just mm -hmm. got a new vet tech job, um, and uh, did some other things that I'm not ready to tell anybody about yet but uh stay tuned but um you know i was kind of just at that point where i was like okay it's time to do another thing it's you know and i get that thing like every six months that nagging yeah. it's time to do something else it's time to start over you know and sometimes it's helpful sometimes i feel like it kicks me in the butt because i feel like i keep having to start over you know but again it's like the dung beetle it's like i'm just picking up skills picking up experience picking, picking up, up shit picking up references and contacts and networking and that goes back to what i was saying about networking mm -hmm. i have made so many references you know have so many colleagues that i was didn't have access to prior you know just understanding the whole professional like networking being in the right place at the right time kind of thing and this job at asu really helped me with that because excuse me, that professor was, you know, she was really on top of, you know, shout out to Dr. India Schneider-Priest. She really put me on, you know, um, was like, let me send this email for you and get you in contact with this other scientist, mm -hmm. with this veterinarian, with this person, with this person. Let me show you how to do That's it. About. So that, you know what I mean? So that no matter where you go after this, you know how to talk to people, you know how to formulate research questions. And then, you know, so then it got into this whole, like, I want to be a researcher. Like, that's what I want to do, right? I want to make I want to conduct research and I want to create educational content for the layperson, for the non-scientist, right? Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I again I have some things that I'm not really talking about yet. Yeah. But when when we get there, you will see how all the pieces have fit together. Um but you know, so I'm kind of just on this journey of figuring out who the hell I am, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, you know. Uh trying to stay in tune with my hobbies which I feel like I've let go of a lot you know I just bought a bass guitar for my birthday and that was a big deal I have never touched the bass before you know my husband plays he plays a guitar he plays a bass he writes he does all that shit so he's just kind of like all right so let's let's learn let's get in the gym let's do it you know so it's, it's exciting because it's like this new thing that I've never done before that I'm not good at you know that I have to get over that fear of failure and that fear of not being good in front of people you know um but yeah so that's kind of where where i'm at right now 
when's the last time you really like gave yourself that much time to just talk about your like life story from the San Diego Zoo art camp to where you oh, are like, today? Um, never, probably. <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever let me speak for that long without <laughs> without jumping in. I was trying to let you cook because there was times where I was going to cut you off to ask someone. I was like, nah, like I'm just because I feel like in hearing that complete story, I feel like one, there's so many nuggets that somebody could take out of that. Uh, especially someone who is interested in a lot of different things and really trying to figure out how all the pieces play together. Cause I think it's so poetic that that artist journey started. Well, part of it started at the San Diego zoo and like drawing animals and whatnot, and then bringing you full circle to where you are today, working with animals. I think stuff like that, when you really take the time to either a talk about your journey or b listen to somebody's journey you see where it's like nah like these things are here all along like these things keep adding up yeah yeah and that's what I have to remind myself of when I when you know when I and I literally was just talking about this on Twitter like last night or this morning because there was a tweet about how ADHD burnout sometimes I have ADHD by the way burnout looks like uh sometimes it can look like not recognizing your success you know, or not recognizing your accomplishments because we pick, we pick up things and drop them so fast that it's hard to appreciate what you have learned, you know? And, you know, I made a joke like, oh, this is me looking at my CV, my resume, you know, but it's true. Cause it's like, I obsessively update my LinkedIn and my resume. And I'm like, what did I, what am I doing now? What am I doing next? What's next? What's next? You know? And I'm always so focused on what's next that I'm never looking at like well look at all the shit that you've done look at all the shit that you've you know gotten how did you get to this point you know and I feel like everybody can take a little bit of you know we all do that so much where we're just like I'm not doing enough I'm not where I'm supposed to be and you know but it's like look at how much you've done thus far look at all the badges that you've collected thus far even if they're not in one in a straight line you know and that's me I never nothing is ever in a straight line it's always you know zigzag full circle going around in a loop doing a bunch of other shit you know it's like a dance almost and that's kind of how I that's the poetic way that I you know describe my my career journey and my educational journey is like it's it's like I'm dancing it's like I'm going back and forth right I feel that yeah you're such an artist joy (laughs) (laughs) try to be uh, I just connected with you on LinkedIn. I realized we weren't connected on LinkedIn. So I was just thinking about that. Yeah. You got a new LinkedIn friend. Uh, okay. <laughs> there are so many nuggets in there. And I think that's literally how I expected this to go. Cause you have such a unique and complex in a good way story that I think there's so many different facets of you that we could put under a microscope and like really spend a whole hour talking about just one aspect of that journey and of, just what you've done to date. And I think that just knowing the listeners of this podcast, like a lot of, not, oh, I won't say a lot of hell, maybe it is a lot, but a good number of UCSD students that I used to mentor and supervise, they listen to this podcast. And I know a lot of them are still figuring out like, oh, how do I do this specific thing? And what I would tell them a lot of times, like, hey, sometimes the shit's messy. Like sometimes, sometimes the shit's messy. Sometimes you're going to be in a cave with a bunch of Zubat coming at you and you got to make your way out. Uh, sometimes you about to face elite four you got your legendary pokemon with you whatever you need to do like we might lose them with some of the pokemon references throughout but those who know that's that's fine (laughs) those who know know but no and i think even for myself like 
uh for the last few years i've been like really interested in like film and wanted to write a screenplay like and just like really been immersing myself in that environment listening to film podcasts talking about film or just looking at the world in a different way and i can't wait to a year from now looking back and like oh well this is here all along like looking at other parts of my life where it's like yeah like it makes sense that you're here today mm-hmm. um and i also think that just hearing you talk about your journey also makes sense that we're friends like of course we cross paths via twitter our parents met but it's like i don't know it's kind of feels like it was written in stone like yeah i just feel like the synergy is there and i fuck with it yeah no i agree and and you know i'm glad that you brought up your own journey because i was gonna say you're very similar you know in in the way that you're kind of just moving and shaking and doing a new thing and a new thing and a new thing you know and that's hella inspiring you know because Every time I see that you got a new podcast going on or you're doing this or you got a new book out or you got this. And I'm like, look at this nigga, Kyler. Like, what is he doing? <laughs> and it's very, it's very fun to watch because again, when you're from this city where it's like, you see all these people and all these people have all these ideas and everybody's real creative. And then you leave and you're like, okay, but I still want to take that piece of me with me, that mm-hmm. piece of LA with me. And then you see it come out in your friends and you see it come out in their work. And you're like, that's what, that's the, what the fuck I'm talking about. You know what exactly. I mean? That's what I'm talking about. Exactly. And I think that's what really inspired the banquet hall as a podcast, because it's like, I think one of my friends, Ariella, she was like, yeah, she read somewhere uh, that we need to stop looking for a seat at the table and create our own banquet hall. I'm like, I fuck with that. Like, yeah. Because yeah. this is like, this is us. Like, these are my niggas eating. Like, this is this is my community. This is what we're doing. And yeah. just putting out this podcast, I feel like part of that is to hope to build even additional networks. So someone listening to this episode is like, oh, like, I know somebody who's in this research field that Joy might want to connect with. Let me hit her up on Twitter, that type of thing. So, yeah. And just I all of the stuff like that, by the way, just so y'all know, hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> I will help you go over your, like, you can ask people, I help people go over their resumes. I help people go over their personal state. Like, I am that one that's like, let's network. Yeah. Let's research. Let's figure it out. Let's find some answers. Let's do what we want to do so that we can get you where you want to go. You know what I mean? Not to say I have all the answers because I don't know what I'm doing 95% of the time. But But you have a different perspective. I have a different perspective. And I think what I, I think a strength that I have that, people find helpful is that I have a I have a way of looking at things that makes people able to tie different aspects of their life together for for one thing you mm-hmm. know what I mean I'm like you know I was just helping a friend on Twitter who's applying to a new program and she was kind of talking about um not feeling like she was prepared for it because all of her work experience thus far didn't seem like it connected and I was like, okay, well, let's look at all the things you did. And instead of looking at the titles of the jobs or the places, let's look at yeah, the things what you did there. How can you take that? And how can you take that? And how can you take that and put it into a personal statement and say, this is why I can do this thing. You know what I mean? It's like, um, not to make another anime reference, but it's it's like doing a fusion dance, you know? And you you put it all together and then you just have this new thing, right? You have this new you this new entity that didn't exist before but still takes pieces of you and pieces of the other version of you and has made a new one you know what i mean um and i I, you know i think that that's as we the older we get right because we're all pushing 30 now is you know i just turned 29 like a few days ago and it's like a big deal for me but you know the older that we get i think we forget 
that all of those past selves are still very relevant you know um you know I'm a Gemini so I'm always in the spirit of reinvention and always trying to like reinvent myself new hair new this new this new this you know and I'm like okay well she doesn't exist she's dead right but at the same time it's like no she's still very much alive she's still very much there you know and her insight is why you are here doing what you're doing you know those past experiences those failures that is why you know what you're doing now even if it doesn't feel like you know what you're doing that's why you know what you don't want to do you know what I mean exactly what you don't want to do is enough so yeah like sometimes knowing what you don't want to do is even more important than knowing what you do want to do exactly exactly And and you know I stress that even more in in the field of like academia and research you know because they always want people to know what they're doing or know what they want to do or know what they're passionate about and i'm like fuck that what do you not want to do what do you know <laughs> that you don't want to do yeah like right? what's boring as hell to you like what's what boring as hell to you you know and and for me you know that's part that's part of why i didn't go to vet school is because you know what i love animals i know that right but i know that i don't like chemistry i know that i don't like physics i know that i'm never going to like those things <laughs> you know what i mean I know that I don't care about surgery, you know, and, and, you know, so it's like picking out the things that you know, that you not are not going to do. And you know, that you're not going to enjoy, you know, and, and sometimes, and my mom might tell you that that's limiting yourself or creating limitations, but I disagree because I think that creating boundaries for yourself is helpful because it helps you tunnel vision. And I'm, I'm a tunnel vision worker, right? Like I need to completely have one thing to look at to to propel myself forward you know and i need to turn everything else off and that's just how i operate you know what i mean so knowing what you don't want to do and knowing what you you know don't want to be associated with or what you just are not good at and you know that you're not going to get good at it quick enough to to convince you that you want to do that thing that is fine like that is what you know what i mean i know that i'm never i have taken one fundamental chemistry class in my entire college career and I had to take it twice because I failed that shit. And I passed it this time. This was like a year ago. And I was like, you know what? I could keep taking chemistry classes and try to give this vet school thing another try. But also, I know that I'm just not going to want to take a year. Of chem- like, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to. You know what I mean? And that's fine. Like, that's fine. You know? So, yeah. I think that's where I'm at right now. Wonderfully stated. Um, so, I had different parts of your life that I was going to touch on. But I think in your story... Uh, you encompass all of them, but I did want, because I pulled the quote from one of your Instagram bios, I needed to put it out on the podcast, like Jeff Corwin before the micro community in a monkey's butthole. Oh, the joy yeah. tag. The joy tagline. So that, <laughs> that tagline, ironically, is what got me my job at ASU, you know, because I mean, that obviously my experience yeah. in my, but <laughs> That tagline is what made her reach out to me and be like, you know, microorganisms, you know, monkeys, let's re- let's talk, you know what I mean? And, you know, uh, to explain a little bit better, um, I volunteer at the zoo, at Wildlife World Zoo, and we work with primates, right? So I work with a lot of gibbons, with a lot of, you know, baboons and things like that. And in doing that, I'm also doing my parasite stuff and my lab stuff on the side, you know? And so I spent all this time looking at 
stuff that goes on in monkeys' assholes, you know, and they're not the only ones, but that's <laughs> that's really just the most recent. But um, you know, it the I think the point of that tagline is really that, you know, in just like Jeff Corwin, you know, if y'all know who Jeff Corwin is, he's always doing something. He is always knee deep in some shit, literally, you know. And I feel like that is me, right? I am always diving headfirst into some new territory, whether I know what I'm doing or not, you know, and monkeys and parasites kind of are the two things, the two like converging interests that I have that mm -hmm. come together is one thing. Um, and that's kind of what it, what it is. Yeah. So before we get into kind of the tail end of the episode with some rapid fire questions, I had one kind of bigger question I wanted to ask related to everything that we've discussed thus far. And that is, what does it mean for you with all your interests, all your experiences? How, how do you tie that together? Being a black woman, being a mom, like, what does that mean for you? Because I think when we're looking at scientists, we're looking at even things like being nerdy and like in Pokemon, I think those are things that you don't necessarily automatically associate with black women because of systemic x y and z but what does that mean for you with your identities and all your experiences um i think what it really means is that i have had to spend a lot of time getting to know myself really well you know and that's really hard sometimes because you have all this other stuff going on right you have all these things that you're trying to balance and for me i think it's really just that i have so many interests that don't connect that I have to decide if I want to keep pursuing them, even though they don't connect, or if I want to pursue interests that are related to whatever the thing is that I'm, you know, so with the anime and with the, you know, playing the space guitar and doing all this science stuff and working with animals, it's like, none of these things are related. You know what I mean? None of them are related, but it's, it's, it's not even a game of prioritization. It's really just a game of allowing myself to sprawl out as much as I want to you know just it's like being an octopus and just having a tentacle in every direction you know mm -hmm. what I mean and seeing how many things stick you know and even and and the octopus analogy is really good because even though they have eight tentacles each tentacle has these has hundreds of little suction cups on it right each individual one can be controlled you know has almost as a mind of its own so it's and that's kind of how I feel it's like I have these different selves who are all me but they're completely different. So there's the mom me. So for the, those who know me from Twitter, I was on mom Twitter before I was on science Twitter, you know? So I was really into the mommy stuff, really into the science stuff, really into the veterinary stuff, really into, you know, black people stuff, you know? And as a black woman, you have to be really loud about it or else nobody's gonna listen. And that's just the reality, you know? No one gives a shit what black women are doing unless we're shouting it from the rooftops. You know, and not that I necessarily need an audience or that I yeah. need people to give a shit, but it's nice when they do, right? Because I'm human. And it's it's nice when when you do that because what it does is kind of send a bat signal into the air for other people who are like you, you know, who are doing the things, who like the things that you do to connect. And that's kind of going back to what I mean about natural networking and organic networking is when you are true to yourself in that way where you're just like, I really love this thing. I really love anime. I'm almost 30 years old. I'm still watching Dragon Ball. I'm still, <laughs> you know what I mean? Still making Pokemon references. I'm gonna be doing that until I'm 50 and beyond, you know, but it, it makes it really easy to, 
to kind of gather friends and gather you know all these different connections because all these people come in come into your life and they're like oh shit you like pokemon like i just started a, a new job right and one of the girls there she's another vet tech she is the only black girl at the practice until i got there so it's mm -hmm. just the two of us right and we have i've been there about two weeks and we have already bonded over being the only black girl both having shaved heads both being queer <laughs> both having, being into art, you know, she just got a graphic design degree, both being in a cartoon, like, and it's all these different things. And we always have these conversations when we're working, like, yo, I'm so glad that, like, we can talk about this stuff because I feel like I don't have the opportunity to do that all the time. You know what I mean? And so that, I think that's really special. And I, I crave those types of interactions. It's almost like, not to use a drug reference, but it, it it's almost like getting a fix of, you know, it's like a natural high that's really enjoyable when mm -hmm. you feel like you connected with somebody organically over something that you're really passionate about and they're really passionate about, you know, and I think that's really what it is. Yeah. It's permission to be yourself. And I don't know. I feel like people who watch and like Pokemon and understand Pokemon references. I feel like we're the elite of the society because there's so much that you could take away from Pokemon. And I remember, I think it was on Twitter either this week or last week, but somebody that we mutually follow is disrespecting Pokemon on the timeline. And I saw you called him. I can't remember who it was, but somebody says something about Pokemon. You were telling him to take it back and I almost chimed in too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, That's Dap. He if you see this step, that's that he was saying that Pokemon was cringy and fuck you because no, it's not. <laughs> oh. No, he's really sweet though. He's he's yeah. he's pretty cool. Shout out to him too. Yeah, um, shout out to him. Yeah, uh, it's it's not for everybody, obviously, but it's it's definitely for me. <laughs> I was literally watching Pokemon yesterday. Like I said, I got this Infernape shirt on. I got Chimchar at the bottom. Primate yeah. representation, right there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly um but let's get into some of the quicker questions uh just whatever comes to mind first is totally fine uh first off starting off with who are some people who inspire you or motivate you to keep going and what you do Oof, okay so i guess i'll turn this into a little bit of a twitter shout out too because <laughs> people i spend so much time on twitter that a lot yeah. of my um kyler nathan right so inspirational and not just because this is your show but just because like i said you were so honest with yourself I think about you know and 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 even reading like some of your poetry you're so in tune with your passion your needs and your wants and your emotion you know and that's a type of emotional intelligence I think that we don't get to see a lot of you know especially with black men I wish you know and then that's a whole other conversation but what it is that that I find inspiring about that is that it's honest and it's raw and it's just who you are you know what I mean and that's really inspiring because it provides you with these opportunities to connect with people in ways that you wouldn't get to do if you had the black man wall up like mm -hmm. no I gotta, I gotta perform I gotta you know put on a mask and be a certain type of person you know so I find that really inspiring so I'll say um who else shout out to Chelsea Chelsea Herps on Twitter she is a herpetologist that I really that I really look up to. She's pretty awesome. Um, she was also uh, one of the co-hosts of the Pokemon related podcast that I was that I mentioned before. Shout out to Poke Science Pod, uh, Pika Science. They, um, you know, they do a lot of cool stuff. But she's pretty awesome because she was one of the first people that I had seen on Twitter in the science Twitter realm 
that was a black woman that was doing animal stuff that was doing pokemon stuff that was doing you know she's still cosplaying she's doing all, all this stuff but she's a fucking scientist you know and it's dope and i really i really appreciate people like her because it allows for people like me to kind of you know follow suit and go in those same types of directions so shout out to her um i'm blanking there's other people there's there's other people uh supernova mama on twitter i really she's really inspiring just because again uh motherhood is something that i take really seriously you know she's somebody that constantly dropping gems on the timeline about gentle parenting and conscious parenting and just how to be the type of parents that we all needed you know when we were younger you know and um I haven't gotten to take any of her parenting workshops yet but I do plan on taking one in the fall and I'm really excited about it just because you know she's she I see every day you know I follow her on Twitter she, I see every day the type of mentality that she has that allows her to parent in the way that she does and she's also autistic and both her children are autistic and it's really inspiring for me you know as a neurodivergent person with what i believe are neurodivergent children they haven't been diagnosed yet but you know and it, it's very helpful because it allows for people like me and she's a black woman also you know and it allows for people like me to kind of see like okay you can still be a whole person and a mother you know and have your interests and still be a scientist and still do this and also give your children the life that you want them to have, you know? Um, so yeah, just that's three off the dome anyway. Yeah. And I just followed the Poké Science podcast and was looking at some of the episodes and now I'm like intrigued. I feel like that's just going to be like something I listen to for the rest of the day. Like it's about the yeah, exchange rate yeah. of the Poké dollar and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. That's they're the dope. shit that I like. Yeah. They have a discord too that I'll send you. They're pretty cool. Let's, um, what next, what next do we have here? Uh, what about some general words of advice, words of advice for anyone listening to this podcast, whether it's somebody who's trying to find their niche or their passion, or maybe someone who doesn't think that they are creative? What are some words of advice that you can give to someone listening to this podcast? Um, tell the truth. And not, and I don't mean that in a like, don't lie to people way. I mean, like, be honest with yourself, you know? Um, this goes back to being able to identify what you like and what you don't and be honest with yourself about what it is that you do not like and what you don't want to do and what you don't have time for, you know, make time for the things that you like and be honest about yourself about how much time you need and how much you can actually, you know, and that's something that I struggle with almost daily. It's just like, do I want to do this because I want to do it or do I want to do this because I think I need to be doing it, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? because I think that it looks good right because I, I still have that other part of me that is like how do other people perceive me right so you know forget about how you're perceived and just be honest with yourself about what it is that you like and what you're passionate about I think couldn't say it better myself um next up any shameless plugs or manifestations things you got going on that you want people to support or check out um well like I said uh Check out that, that podcast, um, Pika Science. Uh, let me think, let me think, let me think. I'm going to hate myself if I forget something that I really think is important. Hold on. Let me just pull up my Twitter and see the first thing that pops up. <laughs> the good old Twitter repertoire. Twitter. Um, I can't think of anything right now, but... Um, Shameless plugs, like I said, follow that podcast, follow Kyler if you're not doing that already. 
follow me honestly plug my i'm gonna plug myself uh micro that was the next question yeah okay um (laughs) (laughs) you know uh follow me i'm funny you know i i love to stir up some drama on the timeline so if you like you know if you like drama and not drama in the petty sense even though i'm not above pettiness by any means but you know i (laughs) i spend a lot of time on twitter telling people how i feel about stuff and i think that that's why i i've amassed the type of crowd that i have you know is because people appreciate when when you're loud about the things that you like and you're loud about the things that you don't like and i'm very loud about the things that i don't like especially on twitter so <laughs> if you if you can stand here in a black girl a bald-headed black girl complain about a lot of shit uh follow me on twitter <laughs> and what's the twitter handle again for the folks listening um uh, micro goes wild so that's micro m-i-c-r-o goes wild and are you going to have the handle for long enough for people to follow it? I'm going to hang on to it. Like I said, I think the last time I was on one of your shows, I had a different handle and we, you made a joke about that. Like, we'll see. She might have a different handle by the time you hear from her again. And I do. But um, <laughs> my plan is to hang on to this one. Microsama, I liked it, but it was a little bit problematic just because I'm not Japanese and I had mm. to let it go because, you know, um, cultural appropriation, you know, it just wasn't for me. So micro goes wild micro i call myself micro because i study parasitology a lot of that deals with microscopy you know using a microscope and that's just and i'm also small so like that's kind of my double entendre you know um ironically the bass guitar that i just got is called a micro bass and it's micro and i think that's really cute because it's like it was made for me specifically so that's that's also but yeah so that's that's the handle is micro goes wild and that will i promise you will find me with that. Like, I won't change it. <laughs> Good to hear. Because I don't want people listening to this and they're like, I can't find her. You would pop up on a timeline one way or another, though. Yeah, I was going to say, you'll find me anyway because I'll be complaining about something. That yeah. is- Just search uh, mommy Twitter and see some white moms complaining about something that you said. <laughs> I feel like I'm a part of the mommy Twitter community just through you. Like I'm just say, following along laughing. I was going to say, I think what's, what's really funny about the mom Twitter thing, shout out to mom Twitter. It's a fucking hellscape, but I love it there. Um, I think what's funny about mom Twitter is that I, because I have so many different types of people following me have brought a lot of people into mom Twitter and like, just to observe the shit that goes on with, with mothers on Twitter some of it is entertaining. Most of it is entertaining. A lot of it is fucking ridiculous. But, you know, like I said, Twitter is a hellscape that I can't get out of, you know. Um, I'm on Satan's time, like I said, so. I'm bringing it full circle. Um, and then last question of the podcast, just what are your takeaways from this episode? Like, what are you taking home from our conversation today? Um, To appreciate myself more. Mm. You know, appreciate what I've done, appreciate what I haven't done, um, you know, to, I think I'm finally putting to rest the fact that I didn't get into that PhD program. I took that really hard, you know, um, again, I, I don't respond well to failure a lot. So that was one of the most like concrete failures and I won't call it a failure, but that's what it was. Right. Um, I did not get in and in my mind, that is a failure. So that was, I think, something that I 
have had to be really transparent about that I haven't really been able to, especially publicly, like on Twitter and things. And, you know, I know a lot of people were kind of waiting to hear what happens with that. And I was just like, not going to talk about it. But um, yeah, I didn't get in. It is what it is, you know. Um, stay tuned, because like I said, there's there's new stuff brewing. There's new stuff in the burner. But, you know, uh, yeah. So I think the biggest takeaway is just don't sleep on 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 what I'm doing because I'm always doing something, you know. Um, not to be too hard on myself about the things that I don't get to do, you know. I always spend a lot of time being really salty about what I could have been doing already, you know. I'm like, I'm almost thirty. I could have been a vet by now had I played my cards right in college, or I could have had a PhD by now had I played my cards right, or whatever, right? But so what, right? Like I'm, I'm still doing the things, I'm still doing the stuff that I like, you know, I'm still involved in the research that I wanna be involved in and I'm still working with animals like I wanna be working with. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I can, excuse me, I'm fortunate enough that I can spend time trying to figure that out, you know, in, in ways that a lot of people don't really get to, especially because of finances and things like that. It just doesn't always happen. Shout out to my husband for keeping a roof over my head so I can, <laughs> So I can catch all my badges and play all my games and and not have to worry about eating the next day. <laughs> but um, you know, so I think that's the biggest thing is just uh, be mindful of the things that I have going on and the things that I you know again be honest with yourself, be honest about what's not happening if it's not popping. You know, and I'm very much the type of person where I'm like, if it's not popping, it's time to jump ship and go do something yeah. else. You know, so yeah. I rock with that. I think my takeaway is that there's a generation of us that grew up and took, I want to be the very best that no one ever was to heart. And that's like our, that's our life mantra. And again, you know, sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes it's healthy, but sometimes it's not, you know, and you're not always going to be the best. You can be, but at what cost, right? at what cost to your sanity, to your social relationships, to your time, you know, if, and, and, and that's kind of how I feel about this whole PhD thing again, it's just, you know, if I, let, let's say I had got in, mm -hmm. taken so much time for my children, that would have taken so much time for my social life, that would have taken, I wouldn't be able to have a job, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, I do have to be appreciative even then because it kind of put my life into perspective. Like, okay, well, you still got all this other shit that you want to do and you still have time to do it because you're not wrapped up in research like you would be, you know? So, yeah. yeah be the very best, but also learn how to take the L when necessary, I think. And I think that's a beautiful way to wrap up the podcast. A joy, pun intended, it's been a joy to have you on the podcast. Uh, how many times have you gotten that in your life? Uh <laughs> I think there's sorry there's one more thing I want to say because I kept seeing the camera what is on your hand what tattoo is that oh it's an assassin bug um of course it is <laughs> so just really quickly an assassin yeah. bug is a form of uh it's a type of insect that carries a parasite called uh trypanosoma brucei and that parasite causes Chagas disease and what we know about Chagas disease we know largely because of the unfair treatment of black people in uh, psychiatric institutions. Oh, you know, wow. the scientist, the same scientist who worked for uh, the research that led to the Tuskegee Airmen experience, experiments, same guy, um, but he 
took this bug, crushed it, and put it in a black man's eye to see if it would transmit the parasite, and he did. And that's kind of why we know what we know about Chagas disease and T. brucei. So I keep this on my hand, not only as a reminder that, you know, of the parasites that I study, but also just as a reminder of, you know, the thing, the sacrifices that Black people have, have made consensually and non-consensually to, to the monolith of science, you know? But yeah, so that's what that is. Awesome. Uh, listeners, there's a lot of nuggets in this podcast. I hope that you take a lot of them to heart. Uh, if there are questions that you have for Joy that you want answered in a future episode, be sure to either hit her up or uh, let us know in the comments. Let us know on the Spotify poll. Just whatever's on your mind for this episode, Joy will be a return guest. I'm sure there's plenty more that we could have talked about today, uh, but got to spread the wealth across the episode so that y'all listen. Uh, if you want to hear more about what joy does with parasites you can actually follow the natural nonsense podcast that andre and i used to do uh, she did an episode on there about parasitic behavior where we got into uh, different si- different types of parasitic relationships and why y'all should stop being parasites to each other um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but follow her on twitter at micro goes wild uh, follow the podcast at banquet hall pod be sure to leave us a five-star rating and we will catch y'all on the side that flips joy thank you once again for coming on the podcast and i hope everyone has a good rest of their day whenever they're listening all right thank you